Welcome back to the Coach Emery Show. I'm your host, Coach Emery, a.k.a. Emery McMillan. And today I have with me a very important person to me. Uh, this is Mia Miranda. She just so happens to be my cousin, but she also does dope stuff in real life. All right. She is the owner and founder and CEO of Whole Life Healing Center. She has used her obstacles in her life to transform not only her life but the lives of many other people you may have seen her on interviews all over the place throughout buffalo texas georgia wherever you live you've probably seen her or heard about it but if you haven't and this is your first time i want you to sit back and listen mia is going to explain her journey but first she's going to introduce herself while i'm going to dive in with a bunch of questions like i always do all right Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? My name is Mia Miranda. I'm the CEO of Whole Life Healing Center. I'm also Emery's cousin. I want to say shout out to you, Emery. I always knew you was going to grow up and do something real big. For real. I did. This is just the beginning. Um, but I'm also the author of Troubled Waters, where you can get that book online at www.wholelifehealingcenter or on Amazon. Hey. Mm-hmm. All right. So www.wholelifehealingcenter.com. You can get the book. And that also where that org? Mm-hmm. Now, is that also where they can find out information about your company? Yes, they can find out more information on who we are, what we do, our programs. And if they're interested in volunteering, donating, they can do that as well. Awesome. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about your program, but I know a little bit about the program. So I'm going to ask with a privileged uh, ear. All right. So my first okay. question to you is this. Why did you create Whole Life Healing Center? So Whole Life Healing Center was something that was birthed in me during one of the lowest points in my life. Um, So I was actually in a domestic violence shelter when I came up with Whole Life Healing Center. And actually, when I first started, I didn't even know it was a nonprofit, you know, organization or anything. I just was like, okay, God, how can I help? I was in a situation where, you know, it was me and several other women and children in a shelter. And we all had left our homes, left our jobs. And it was just like, we were looking for jobs, looking for homes. And I was like, okay, God, how can I help? And so that's where we started with the resumes. And then it grew from resumes to job placement and then from job placement. And it just kept growing and growing. And so after um, we ended up helping the survivors, shout out Promise Place at Promise Place Shelter, who I have a very good relationship with. they donated the money for us to get our 501c3 up and running while I was in the shelter. Wow. So mm-hmm. you not you didn't wait until you got out of the situation to to start start turning around for other people. You took that as an opportunity to do it while you was in the trenches with them. Exactly. That's exactly. <clears throat> Thank you so much. And it was so different because it was like not only a pivotal moment in my natural life, but in my spiritual life as well. And so it was just a lot of different things that I was going through. And I feel like God was preparing me for so much more. Um, And I was in my career and I felt like, okay, I'm I'm there. I made it. I'm making the money I want to make. I got the education I want to have. You know what I mean? And, And I'm here. I'm good. But when I had to walk away from corporate America to pursue what my true purpose in life is, which is Whole Life Healing Center and helping people to transition out of shelters, Um, and helping students in schools, um, that's when doors really began to open up for me. That's when I really started feeling happy again. I could smile again. Because anybody who's been through those situations, sometimes it's hard to smile. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's, 
that's very important that you said that. And I'm going to ask you, you know, some some more personal questions. Um, and I hope you're okay with answering them. Um, and these questions are specifically to help people who may have gone through or going through something like this. And I want them to really be inspired by this. So, um, I must make a statement first. Mia is very educated. So, um, when you think shelter, you you don't necessarily assume this person is educated. You don't assume this person has their own or has built a life for themselves. You assume that this person, you know, you assume the worst, right? You hear shelter and you just assume it's a person that couldn't get it together. Mia has gotten it together. Mia, you have an incredible educational portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. So, I want you to share, you know, the the perception that you may have heard or experienced during your time going through this. And and how you were able to reshape some of that, some of those perceptions for people, allowing them to understand, no, I'm fully educated. I was dominating in corporate America. I was just in a horrible situation. And I, you know, unfortunately couldn't find a different, you know, solution at the time. Right, right. So even, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Before I got into the situation, I really wasn't educated on domestic violence Mm -hmm. and its effect. And you know what I mean? And so for me, when I went into the situation, I looked around and I'm like, wow, it's a lot of us that's educated. It's a lot of us with that's career driven. You know, it's a lot of us with um, good family background. Good, you know, we come from good stuff. But guess what? There is no specific race, gender, class of people, you know, educational level, you know, that is exempt from domestic violence. So we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have HR professionals as myself, you know, um, who are going through domestic violence. You think that it could be a lower class people. Some people think that, but no, it it affects almost everybody. And if it don't affect you, you know, somebody who was affected by it, pretty sure. Um, But even now when we're looking for jobs for survivors, a lot of times, you know, people will be like, hey, we're looking for people with education. And I'm on the phone. I, normally we're on the phone. I'm on the phone like, yeah, they have education. You know, they have work experience and they have, you know, what do you think they don't have? Right. Why and that's why I asked they- that question, because I personally know your story. Right. And so in that moment, right, you never really understand or fully really process like these are just people who just have have experienced a bad time. And I wanted you to share that because. I want to reframe the concept of needing help, right? I want to reframe how people look at people who may be going through a time and need help. It's not always that they didn't have or they couldn't do or they didn't do. Sometimes they did everything they could do and the situation was just what it was. And that's why I asked you that specifically because I know your background, you know, you're very, like I said, you're very educated. So Mm -hmm. I wanted you to share that so people can, you know, when they hear throughout this conversation, shelter, um, needing help, you know, donations, things like that, I want them to stop and and maybe, you know, whatever preconceived notions they have of those terms, let's reframe them into, hey, this person was educated, this person was dominating corporate America, was holding down great jobs, and just went through a tough situation. And this is, you know, this sometimes it ends up like that. So I wanted to to start this off with that, so -hmm. that people know, as we're going through this conversation, this is not, you know, somebody who just didn't care this is somebody exactly who, you know what i mean so sometimes when we hear things like that or see people we don't know and and the, the society will make you think that that's what this is these places are full of right and and also um to big piggyback off of what you just said um not only that we have to think about 
them getting back into homes. Right now, the shelters are overcrowded. Right. Um, resources um, are not as plentiful as they were prior to COVID. You know, um, <clears throat> and so we have a lot of survivors who are struggling with homelessness. And, and not only that, but we have to remember that when you have domestic violence, your home is unstable many times. And I'm not speaking on something that didn't happen to me. Right. You know, I'm a very transparent person. I don't have anything to hide. I love my testimony. Um, but, you know, you get things on your rental history that aren't necessarily your fault. I know a lot of women who have evictions on their rental history because of the holes that were punched in the wall or because of the damage that was done to the home. And it wow. really wasn't her fault. But now she can't get into a home because of the damage that was done to the house and, or he, because it is men who go through domestic violence as well. Absolutely. He or she, let's say that. Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and i wanted you to touch on that too that was a topic i was going to bring up um in just a second actually um how many uh if you could say just how many people that you deal with are male or do you you know come across that are male you know men dealing with the situation um and and did that open your eyes to a new side of this thing that you didn't know honestly it's not a lot of men um i've been doing this a little over a year and i probably helped four men Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> not that men don't go through domestic violence, but I don't feel like they're as comfortable reporting it as a woman is. Um, gotcha. And so we need to truly understand domestic violence and what it is. Domestic violence is not just physical. It's emotional. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's financial. Anytime that somebody can take your car keys and say, you're not going to church today, or anytime somebody can withhold money from you or verbally abuse you even if it's through text that's still verbal abuse so I think a lot of times people don't have a true understanding of what domestic violence is and then even when they do have the true understanding sometimes men are like I'm tough I don't cry I'm not gonna go to no shelter I'm not gonna ask for no help but these women out here keying up these men cars busting out their windows right emptying out their bank accounts it's happening on both ends of the state. Now, when you when you came across the first uh, male, was that your first experience with someone who, uh, a man that you heard of or knew that was willing to say something about it? No, it wasn't, no. honestly. I so was you knew other school. people, but they just didn't report it. Right. I was in high school with a young man who was getting his hand, getting, he was getting beat up a little bit. Mm -hmm. He'd come, he'd be like, no, I'm all right. I'm all wow. right. And see, he that's did. interesting. That you said that because it's a lot of people who, you know, don't even really think domestic violence can be on both sides, right? It, mm -hmm. it the assumption is it's just men versus women, right? Um, right. And I think that this this conversation may open up some eyes, and you know, maybe help some people identify some things that they may be either experiencing or witnessing to share that. Now, if there is a domestic violence situation going on and they need to report it or they want to report it anonymously, is there a place they can do that? Mm -hmm. They can call the 1-800-ABUSE line for domestic violence, and it's the same everywhere. So it's just 1-800-ABUSE. And so they can dial that number, um, get assistance. Um, in Buffalo, you have the um, Community Against Domestic Violence. I sit on that board. Hey, 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 y'all. How y'all doing? Um, but you have community services. You have um, 
Haven House, you have, um, you know, it, and honestly, if you just type in your Google search, domestic violence, assistance, shelter, anything like that, everything will populate for you to be able to get the help that you need, but it is definitely helping your area. I appreciate that. And I thank you for that because, you know, a lot of times being a man myself, obviously, you know, I don't hear many guys talk about this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, or the times that I have heard things like that, it doesn't sound like someone's talking about it and reporting it to their friends as domestic violence. And now, you know, even just talking to you, reshaping the way I think about what someone is saying to me, like, man, she did such and such, or, you know, you don't really know what they're saying if you're not speaking that language or fluent in that language, mm-hmm. right? You just hear somebody saying what somebody did to them. You don't really know, like, yo, this is. This is like you're going through something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people won't say anything, but but you have to watch for the red flags. Mm -hmm. Watch for people whose personalities and moods are changing, who have these um, different marks and bruises on their body. Um, You know, just you have to pay attention to the people in your life and in your circle. Um, And if you are going through abuse, I I said the number really, really quick. So the number is 1-800-799-7233. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, how long, um, while you were in your situation, did you leave right away or did you kind of go through it for a while? Like, what was the defining point? Um, If you don't, you know, if you feel okay getting into it, what was the point that made you realize I got to go? Um. The point that made me realize I got to go, let's see, when my children started noticing that it was not a healthy environment. Gotcha. Because your kids will see things. You think they don't see, they see you in a room crying, even though you close the door, they know you crying. Right. You know, they know you're hurting. You know, they know that it's, it's tension in a home. They know that, and it's unhealthy. And so a lot of people, at one point I was staying for them. I'm staying for my kids because they deserve to have both parents in, you know? But at the same time, I finally realized that I left for my kids too because they deserve to have a safe home, a healthy home, you know? Mm. And so you just, just as hard as you fight to stay for them, fight even harder to leave for them. Can you can you go deeper into that for somebody? Well, not deeper into that, but the mindset to walk away for your children. Because I'm sure if somebody's listening who's going through this and this is their story, that's their reason, they need to understand what you're saying. So can you break that down a little bit more for, for those people? Right. So for me, I have a lot of kids. Okay. So <laughs> so I have five kids. I don't I don't mind sharing that. And their age range, you know, and so they have, I have someone in college and then I have someone in daycare. And so they see it and experience it in different ways, you know? And so for me, it's just like, mom, are you crying again? What's wrong? You okay? You know, them trying to see what's really going on. You think something's not going through their mind? emotional and mental health is important at those ages and so at that point you have to be the parent to say you know what I have to protect my children and not only that but the number of deaths 
related to domestic violence at this point was starting to increase. Mm. And so I was like, hmm, it can escalate that fast. It can go from an argument to someone being shot that fast. And we always think, you know what? It can't happen to me because it's not that serious. Or I know him real good. Don't you think that's what they thought too? Right. And so I spoke at the vigil for um, people who lost their lives to domestic violence last year here in Georgia. And if my memory served me correct, it was probably 115 people. That and it was lost their lives or present? Lost their lives to domestic violence. Yeah. And so it wasn't just women, it was men. And the youngest one on there, I still have the, the flyer. I got to go through my stuff and get it. The youngest victim was two months old. Now I said that because I'm sure that the mother was like, I know him. He's not going to escalate. It's not going to happen. I'm going to stay for my children. But you have to leave for your children. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's deep, man. That's very deep. And it's, it's, it's scary because no person deserves to go through that, number one. Exactly. But in, on top of that, no child deserves to go through that you know and it's it's crazy that that's something that we really have to experience and it's like it's happening more often than we think it's happening mm-hmm. more often than we know and it's happening more um i want to say more um graphically than we know like there's a lot of ways that it's happening that we mm-hmm. don't really know or look at as domestic violence you know sometimes i see people sharing things on facebook with a girl and a guy fighting out in the street and i'm just like that's not that's okay to y'all you know that's right. that's that's cool to y'all like well, y'all laughing at this you're laughing at the way that she's acting towards him or he's acting towards her and then if you were to turn on the news tomorrow and that person wasn't here what would you think what would you feel then like what they just shared the fight between blue face and uh I can't remember the young lady name. Krishan. Yes, blue was that face. Your subconscious that said that I love. No, that was my mom. Oh, I thought that was your subconscious. Mom. That's my <laughs> I'm like, was this subconscious speaks out loud? Like, what was the name? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my subconscious still talking. She said, I didn't know he could hear me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I hear all y'all. I hear all the subconsciousnesses. <laughs> Like, so am I, my power is activated right now. I told him to chill until <laughs> the interview was over. <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all, and listen, I'm laughing, but y'all make sure y'all have that one somebody in your corner who's going to pray you through, hold your hand, have your back. I don't care if it's your mom, your best friend, your cousin, pooking them, no matter who it is, just get you one good person. And God, you got this. Wow. Wow, that's 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 deep, man. I appreciate you sharing that and being transparent about your story as well, because, you know, sometimes people don't really get it. You know, domestic violence and all of these words been thrown around since we was kids and before we was kids and before we were born. Right. This is not new, but the Mm -hmm. face of it is new. Right. The face of it this year is new. The face of it next year is going to be new. Um, The terminology for it is going to be new. Right. The ways that people do it. So it's like. At what point? do people take this thing serious and i think that what you're doing the the business that you built with whole life healing center that that organization is is it is very powerful because you get to put a voice 
to the end of it in certain people's lives. Right, you know, right. Giving them a place to say, hey, you know what? You ain't got nowhere to be? Cool. We got you. You ain't got no food? Cool. We got you. You ain't got no money? Cool. We got you. You know, you don't have no exactly. resources? Cool. We got you. And I think that that's important because a lot of times people stay because of lack of resources, lack of food, lack of money, lack of place yes. to go. So embarrassment and shame too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All of that. But this is one thing I want to say about Whole Life Healing Center. You know, we were started down here in, in Atlanta. And when I tell you we are growing, we are growing down here. We partner with the food um, distributor and we're giving out food every Thursday. Now, <clears throat> it seems like Buffalo is starting off kind of slow for us. We don't have a strong team in Buffalo to push the way we're pushing down here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. However, the need is great in Buffalo. So if you know of anybody who's interested in volunteering, um, with our organization, please let us know because listen, we are on a move and we are on a roll. We're giving out scholarships to students who are in need, scholarships to teachers who don't have what they need in their classrooms. Um, we partner with colleges for basic need, food insecurities. We do a lot, and so the same, um, the same that the same things that we're doing down here in Atlanta, the same impact that we're having down here on multiple levels, not just with domestic violence, mm -hmm. but in the school system as well. We're fighting to do that in the city of Buffalo because that's where I grew up. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And if you're watching and you do have those resources, if you do want to volunteer or want to find out more information, they can go to Whole Healing Life, me, uh, Whole Healing Life Center. Don't go there, y'all. Cause y'all ain't gonna find us. Where they go? Where go? Go to www.wholelifehealingcenter.org. Don't go to where I told you to go. Go to where she <laughs> told you to go. Um, but you can get information on that as well. Um, also, is there an email address if they want to reach out to you directly? How can they contact yes. you directly? Yes, you can correct contact me at Mia M I A at wholelifehealingcenter.org. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Now. I want to talk to you about the business side of things for a moment. I know we talked about domestic violence and, you know, that's a huge part of what's going on, but you pulling yourself out of this was, was the business instrumental in helping you get out of this? Like what you created, was that instrumental in helping you get out of it? Yes. So it was twofold for me. Mm -hmm. So when I started writing the resumes, you know, in the beginning, it was so refreshing and it felt so good to help somebody, you know, take a step towards transitioning out of the shelter. Now that made me feel good. It made me smile. And I was like, great, but I still had a heavy burden. And honestly, I'm still working through some things, mm -hmm. but once I started writing the book, it felt like a release. So I tell everybody, Hey, make sure you journal, make sure you write, you know, you can do things for other people, but make sure you heal yourself as well. You know, and so for me, it was writing that gave me the outlet that I needed to start the healing process. I like that. Now, you started that book when you were in there? Mm-hmm. Okay. I used to, you know I'm silly, right? Of course. So, shout out Ms. Lynn. That's the director. And so I was chasing Ms. Lynn around. I was like, Ms. Lynn, listen to this last chapter. This is the last chapter I want you to listen to. <laughs> and I said, listen, you're going to be happy you listen to it because Oprah going to interview me. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's super dope, man. I love that you sometimes in those kind of places. Uh, I don't want to say hope isn't present, but hope is hard to find. Right. Mm -hmm. You're in a space like that where you're supposed to 
society deems you as hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. Society deems you as incapable of recovering, right? You're, you're, you know, um, in these spaces and you use that as a catapult for yourself. You use that for uh, right. a way to express what you were going through, a way to clarify to yourself what you were going through on mm-hmm. top of using that platform to build from and you didn't do it alone you built it by helping others in that situation you know you're going through it yourself and here you are helping others find better routes out of it you know they may not have gotten that job because their resume didn't look the way it needed to look and you're helping them get that job you're helping them improve the quality Mm -hmm. of life for them for themselves and their children so I think that's amazing And, and it just shows that the calling on your life is so strong that you know which it always is but the calling on your life was so strong that God used you at what seemed to be your lowest right to help people get to their highest exactly God is good and honestly I wasn't even I didn't even know how I was going to transition into Buffalo this is how good he is I was minding my own business but I was posting about whole life healing center on Facebook <clears throat> And um, Allie Turner's family, God rest her soul. Hey, y'all, hi, how y'all doing? Reached out to us and we went. Um, not her family, it was Lanisha, her best friend, um, reached out to us. And so we ended up coming to Buffalo to support. It, they did a walk, a march, and we marched with them. And when I tell you, I, I fell in love with her family. You know what I mean? And anything that they're doing, we want to support. So, so we want to say that they're, these are real life people going through real life situations. So when you hear about these organizations and we're doing different things, raising funds, we just helped four people transition out of the shelter last week. Um, with our transitional assistance program, we gave them security deposits, you know, and so at the end of the day, when we say we're donating this and we're doing that, the only reason that we're able to do it is because of the people who support us, who pour into us, who purchase the book, who pray for us, because it's not even just always about money, but who pray for us, right. you know, and so if you're listening, you know, your prayers, your volunteering, your support in any way, even just reposting and sharing is really blessing the lives of survivors and students in schools. So continue to pray for us and support us. Absolutely. And please do that. Please do that. And and not because y'all know me, you know what I'm saying? But if it's because you know me, I appreciate that too. Um, <laughs> um I want to, I want to address something you just talked about. You talked about it twice and I want to bring it up. Um, the gift of student program. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember when I was down in Georgia and you were like, cousin, I'm like, what's up? You was like, yo, I just started this thing. I got this idea. This is what I'm gonna do. I just left the school and this is what I want to do. And I'm like, all right, cool. And at that point, you know, I'm like, I don't doubt that she's going to make this happen because look at what she's done already. So you was like, I just left some college down there. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's like one of the biggest colleges down there. You just walked in and walked out with a partnership with them like that. And um, how did you know there was a need for that for college students is my question to you. So, so well, well, first, yeah, I was going to say, tell them what the program is. And then how did you know there was a need for it? You know, I was already ready. Look, I, look, I, <laughs> I had to make it seem like it was my idea, though. Look, I thought it was so cool when we came up with this because gift the student, you know, um, gas, our gas program. Um, it wasn't a program that I set out and I wrote out and I was like, oh, this is going to be a great program. It actually came through 
a situation. So I was at Dollar General, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Dollar General. And um, it was a young man in front of me in line. And he was, I'm talking about trying to pay for his stuff. He had pennies, nickels, quarters, just pulling them out of his pocket. And I had just left the shelter. So I had food stamps. You know, when you go into the shelter, they give you what you need. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. And the Holy Spirit kept telling me, Mia, use that car and pay for his food. But I was nervous, you know, and I was like, well, maybe, you know, he might seem, be ashamed or maybe. Right. Um, and so I told him, I said, hey, if you need some help, I'll pay for your groceries. And he turned around, no lie, and, ready. and he's still with us. He's still an ambassador for us at Morehouse. But um, so he turned around to us and he, to me, and he had tears in his eyes. And he was like, you know, I'm not a bum. I'm a Morehouse man. And then he wow. went on to tell me his story about how his parents lost his job during COVID. And, um, you know, he'll pay me back and he's in school to be a doctor. And he's just telling me his story. Wow. And I was just like, well, is that all you need? You know, and I told him, I said, if you need a little bit more, go get you some more, you know, get what you need. And so we paid for the food. We exchanged numbers. And ever since then, he's been team whole life. Wow. And, yep. And so you, you'll you see some of our pictures um, on our on our social media sites where we're at different colleges helping people. And a lot of that have to do with him. Wow. Now, that, him. And see, that's another like. I always knew you were spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't know, you know, when we're young, we don't know what we're going to be, right? We have these right. ideas of what we're going to become. And then walking into life right now, you know, sharing stories with you, sharing success stories, sharing things that I've accomplished, that you've accomplished, you know, setting goals, grown goals. It's different, completely different. And what you did was you just gave that young man an opportunity to continue to pursue those goals in that moment. Right. And you had, it wasn't an intention that you wanted to go in there for that reason. But mm-hmm. like you said, something said, Mia, do it. And then you did it and you turned it into something that helps more and more people and operated that continues to help more and more people to the point where it becomes something that's even written into the school program that's what i'm praying for so i I want that for you because you want that for them right right how many students are going through different situations where they want to be lawyers they want to be doctors but they don't have the resources to get through the the school process or their educational process you know um maybe they don't come from a family with a lot of money Right. You know, maybe they borrowed their max on their financial aid or their student loans. Like you, you know, don't have no more. Your school is more than what you borrow. Exactly. And then you have to also think about that. We're not just dealing with colleges. We're dealing with elementaries. We're dealing mm. with middle schools because we have a lot of students in middle schools and elementary who are struggling just to eat. You know, they want to go to the dance. They want to go to the prom, but they don't have the money to go. You know, and so we we write scholarships and things like that. That's very yeah, I realized that. My bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> um sometimes there's like an echo after if I don't unmute my mic, but um I love that you took that opportunity and you saw that as an opportunity to be you know, standing in the gap for somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. I know your upbringing was, was strong in church. You know, I felt like sometimes I never left church, but you know, it was, yeah. <laughs> we was there all night. We tarried. Like, like how we, do you, 
Ain't wait, church over at two. How you eating dinner at church? Me, what you had dinner at we the Terry. Remember, I used church? to come from church with all them holes in my stockings because I had showered it the whole time. <laughs> we're not gonna go there. That's a whole nother episode. We could talk about <laughs> yo uh attire mishaps for a whole episode. Um, and I know I know I only have a couple more minutes with you, so I do want to ask you a couple uh very important questions, okay? Mm-hmm. So First question is this, for someone who's in this situation that you transitioned out of, what is the first piece of advice, aside from contacting, you know, the abuse hotline, what is the first piece of advice you would give them right now, where they are? Accept the help. So that's the first issue that I notice people have is I don't want to go to no shelter. I don't want to take my kids in that environment. Let me tell you something, your life is more important. Your children's life is more important. Getting to safety is more important. And and another thing I want to tell you is that the domestic violence shelter I went to was clean. They made sure we ate. I never ran out of pampers. I was sad when I left. I said, wait a minute, I got to buy these pampers. It was a lot. It was a lot to handle. They're going to make sure you have everything you need. But there is like a barrier you know, of communication and understanding when it comes to offering this help to people. And so don't be ashamed, get the help, accept the help. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate that. And um, my last question for you, I mean, we got like a couple more minutes. My last question to you is this, Mia, and this is very important. Well, two mm-hmm. questions, but just to, this is the most important one. If you could be a cartoon character, from now or when you were a kid, who would you be and why? Sailor Moon, Moon, Moon. Wait, wait, that's hard to, wait, that's hard to choose. I know, that's why I said it was a serious question. Captain Planet, he's the hero, gonna take you down to zero. Going, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't ask me to sing the song. No, I, I didn't, okay. I didn't. No, I, but tell me why though, tell me why. Because he's a hero. He's going to save the whole planet. I love, but we need the female version. See, I would be the six foot one African-American. But, well, he was blue. He was blue, so it didn't he was matter. Blue. Yeah, he was, he was race neutral. Blue. He was race yeah, neutral. We could, yeah, let's stick with that. Because um, I like that. That's that's good. So yeah, I'll be blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I like that. And I feel like you are kind of being uh, Captain Planet right now with what you're building with, with with your business and with your book and just the mission that you're on. And, and I love that for you. So the last couple of minutes I have with you, I want you to take a moment to share everything and everywhere that people can contact you, your organization or the organizations you're affiliated with. If they need the help, I want you to just ramble off all those things so they can know where to go and they can okay. be trusted. Okay, guys. Um, we're Whole Life Healing Center. You can find us on our webpage, www.wholelifehealingcenter.org. Um, we have our gas program, which started taking off so fast that we had to give them their own webpage. So that's www.giftastudent.com. Um, you can find us on social media, Whole Life Healing Center, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, oh, shout out to COAC. That's our partner in gas. Hey, Emily girl. Um, and so, <laughs> so you can reach out to us. Listen, don't forget to order your book, Troubled Waters. Okay. 
Troubled Waters. You can order it on Amazon or off of our website, which again is www.wholelifehealingcenter, which is spelled W-H-O-L-E, lifehealingcenter.org. Mia, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And um, I'm very grateful for you for being transparent. And I know sometimes we talked about people not wanting to accept the help and not being okay with the help, but even more sometimes are people, there are people who are not okay with sharing what they went through. Right. And I appreciate you for being so vocal about what you went through and not using it as a crutch to stay in it, but using it as a, a ladder to climb out of it. So I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that you came out of it. And I'm grateful that you're helping so many other people come out of it as well. So I appreciate you and I love you. Thank you for having me on, cousin. I love you, love you, love you. And I know that you're Captain Planet in real life. No, you're the mask. That was his, fa <laughs> that was his favorite movie, y'all. I just want to throw that? that out there. You're going to do that? Growing up, we couldn't watch TV because he kept watching the mask. I love you, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? All right, fine. That's tr it's true. I used to love the mask, the movie, all right? Before I go, big shout out to Dope in Real Life. Um, I got the shirts. This is one of the official sponsors of my show. They help me keep the lights on, aka the yes. Zoom bill paid. Um, and Dope in Real Life is a brand in dope. And as the we call it, represents the definition of positive energy. You know, I'm all about positive energy. So go to dope in real life llc.com if you want to buy if you want to see what's going on um don't open real life llc on instagram check us out um you know i'm a huge supporter you know at the end of every episode i'm telling dope i'm talking about dope all through the episode so go ahead check it out and um i thank you for watching i definitely again thank you mia for coming through thank you thank for your you. subconscious for being so loud i appreciate it <laughs> and um <laughs> as always y'all thank you for watching be dope and be great peace